This is episode number 348, Performance, Imperfect Preparation, and Flexibility with Travis Macy. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia. And if you're new around here, I am a world and multi-time national champion in mountain biking, and I still race professionally. I'm a health and mental performance coach, a writer, a mom of two little kids, and I own my own business. And if you're not new around here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back, and I'm so grateful that you are a part of this awesome community and that we get to learn and grow together. I even remember somehow as a, you know, when I was a kid and teenager, like my dad was doing some of these races, you know, Ludvo 100 and stuff. And I remember him saying things like, you know, bud, if, if you only show up when things are perfect, you're, you're not going to be showing up to anything at all. Like if you want to do something, you just, sometimes you got to do it. And that doesn't mean that you're foolish about things or sometimes we can't do what we want. Sometimes there, there's family things or work things or health or whatever, but sometimes you push through even when it's not perfect. This is a really fun episode in collaboration that I did with Travis Macy, and we actually recorded it in the Denver International Airport while we were on our way to both give a keynote at a leadership conference on the East Coast. Travis and I are excited to be doing some collaborations together in the future because we have a very similar ethos and a lot of similar passions. Travis has been on the show two times to talk about both of his books, one of them being The Ultra Mindset and the other one being A Mile at a Time. Those are linked up in the show notes if you want to have a listen. But if you haven't heard those, Travis Macy is a two-time author, world-class endurance champion across many disciplines, including adventure racing, 100-mile trail running races like Leadville and Winning Leadman. He's been the Colorado snowshoe champion many times. He does ski mountaineering and even burrow racing. That's right, running with a donkey. He is the host of the Travis Macy Show podcast and also a sought-after speaker, including being a TEDx speaker. Travis is also an endurance sports coach and a dad to two children. He also happens to be my running coach. A goal that I set last year was to be more deliberate about collaboration and building professional relationships. And that can be really challenging whenever you work from home and whenever you are doing a lot of solo creative projects. So how do you do that? Well, a way that I've been doing it is I try and take it outside of the podcast. So if I am chatting with a guest, I ask them if they want to have a Zoom hangout. And I realize that this isn't in person, but it actually really helps to build relationship and see potential for future collaborations. And it takes courage to do that because people can reject you or people might not even respond to you. And that doesn't happen that often. But a lot of us don't take the time to try to build on these relationships because it is time consuming and it can be a little bit uncomfortable. I strongly believe that we are better whenever we can help lift each other up and also help give each other constructive criticism and feedback so that we can be better. And that can be hard to take sometimes, but if you've built a trusting relationship with somebody, it's easier to receive that feedback. So Travis is one of those people that I have been working on doing more collaborations with. And this podcast is pretty fun because we recorded it live at the Denver International Airport when we were both on our way to a speaking gig. And Travis actually suggested me to this group to speak along with him. And I really appreciated that opportunity. 
We both went and gave a keynote. Mine was about mental fitness, mastery, resilience, a lot of the things that you've heard me talk about in this podcast, but in keynote form. And his was about some of the takeaways from his book, Ultra Mindset, and how you can apply that to your life. We also got to do a Q&A together with the audience who happened to be a very elite group of high achievers and performers. And it was really fun to get to see some of the questions that people had and how people were applying these ideas. So it was fun to sit down at the Denver airport. I'll give you a funny little story that happened. So our flight was delayed. We were flying to the East Coast and our flight was delayed by an hour and a half. So we went and sat at a different gate where it would be quiet or a little bit more quiet to record this podcast. And whenever I'm recording a podcast, if I get a text message, I don't check my phone because I'm recording a podcast. But I did feel my watch kind of buzzing a little bit. And for whatever the reason, we decided it was time to end the podcast. We didn't set a specific amount of time to talk for. We just decided that we would let it end organically. And I looked down at the message on my watch and it said that our flight time had changed and they had moved it back to the time of original departure. I've been on thousands of flights. I have been a professional traveler for quite some time and I've actually never seen this happen before. And I've actually always wondered if it can happen. So quick lesson for the listeners, you guys here, is that can happen. So we looked down and we were like, oh my gosh, we are about to miss our flight because we were at this other gate recording a podcast. How dumb is that going to be if we miss this keynote because we were recording a podcast at a different gate? And then I checked another message and fortunately it had been delayed again by 30 minutes. So we literally packed up our stuff and almost ran to the gate as quickly as we could. And we were some of the last people to get on the flight. So beware whenever you're traveling, they can move up the flight time. They can move back the flight time. There is no end all be all whenever they delay a flight. I also learned to stay near the gate. (laughs) Don't go away far away from the gate just in case anything happens. In today's podcast, it is more of a free-flowing conversation between Travis and I, so it's not really an interview, but you might be interested to hear about some of the things we talked about. So number one, Travis wanted to talk about my win at the Pisgah Stage Race because as my running coach, he also has access to what I'm doing for cycling training, and those things are not separate. Cycling and running and how my whole training plan comes together is another way that we collaborate. So he got a driver's seat view of what it looked like to not train for two weeks and the doubts that I might have had. So we talked about that a little bit in the podcast. We talked about what it's like when your preparation isn't perfect. And I think that most of us can relate with this feeling. Most of us do not have perfect preparation. And sometimes, especially those of us with a perfectionist type mindset, is we think, well, I'm not even going to show up if I can't do it perfectly, or I'm not even going to try this new thing because I'm not ready. We talked about having flexibility around your plan and letting go, the importance of maintaining curiosity. And then we talked about things like intentional imbalance, Travis's book tour and family travel, because he had a bunch of travel as well before we went on this keynote trip to promote A Mile at a Time, which is a book and a memoir talking about his dad and Alzheimer's disease. And it's a fantastic book. And make sure you listen to that podcast. We talked about whenever we think about what's next, how do you pick what's next? And we talked about Travis's supportive personality because Travis is such a connector. He's somebody that is always looking for ways to create opportunities for other people and how we can do that ourselves. 
If you are enjoying this podcast and topics on this podcast, a lot of the things that you learn on the podcast are things that come up in my coaching practice. I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach, and I'm also a mental performance coach where I help people define their process, set appropriate goals, and close gaps to get from point A to point B or even point C. Because a lot of times it's hard to do it on our own. And there's a lot of things that are up in our head that we don't even realize are up in there. And it's so important to talk about them, to create clarity and vision around your goals, and to know how your values and strengths tie into them. So if you're interested in working with me as a client, I am now accepting a couple of new clients. You can go to my website at sonyalooney.com and there's a contact form. You can contact me on social media. But if you're curious, I would love to see how we can work together. And with that, it is time to get into our podcast today with myself and Travis Macy at Denver International Airport. All right, Sonia, tell everyone what's going on here. Well, first of all, we're in person, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And we're looking out the window at potential tornadoes and sitting waiting for our delayed flight to fly to the East Coast. Indeed. What are we Uh, doing there? Well, we're doing a keynote in North Carolina, and uh, it should be fun. Yeah. I've, I've got to talk. You've got to talk. Uh, we'll do some talking together, and it should be good. Maybe someone will stump us with a question. Maybe so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So tell us about the last month. Sonia, you've been here and there and everywhere. Like Roy Kent, <laughs> if anyone's ever seen Ted Lasso. Uh, yes. Oh, I, I know. I know. I think there's a song about that. I, I don't think the song is appropriate um, for the listener audience, but it's a good one. Just sing it in your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been everywhere too, actually. So this will be fun because there's been some adventures on our part. So, mm-hmm. okay. I was at the Pisgah Stage Race in Brevard, North Carolina. For those who don't know what it is, it's a five-day mountain bike race. And it is almost infamous for being technical. So that was actually mm. why I wanted to sign up. Nice. And how did it go? It went well. I was not expecting to be racing for the win because in the past, my preparation has been really different for stage races. And I had to readjust my expectations. In fact, I thought about not even going because I got sick in March for two weeks. And as my coach, you you can validate that I didn't do anything for two weeks. I'm not the secret training stuff, but I didn't do anything for two weeks and was super tired. And thought, wow, I'm going to be dragging my entire family across the country. It's really expensive. I can still bail out now and it won't cost us anything. And I feel guilty going if I haven't done the work. But then my husband was really helpful and he said, you don't race just to win races. You race for a lot of different reasons. What are those reasons? Mm -hmm. And it was for community and for being part of that community and contributing to that community with talks and just being there and for adventure and not for only trying to go and, you know, be at the top of the podium. So yeah, that was fun. And it was a good surprise. And I got to race against women I've never met before who are superstars on the East coast and in mm-hmm. the East coast of Canada. So it was, it's pretty cool. Cool. Congratulations. That's, yeah, thanks that's awesome. Yeah. T- tell us more about that field. You said it was a pretty, and this is the pro women's field that you were in. Um, and for those who don't know what it's five stages and then add up your time every day, kind of like the, Tour de France or Tour yeah, de France it's like Femme a, or something. Yeah, it's a cumulative time. And something about North American stage races is that they're actually short compared to a lot of the ones mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. across the world. But ours are very single track heavy. So that's mm. probably why and probably trying to index more on the type one fun over the type mm. two fun. Mm-hmm. So these were mostly around three and a half hour, three to three and a half hour stages. And there was uh, Britt Mason, who has won 
multiple NUE, which is the National Ultra Endurance Series for 100-mile races. Mm. There was uh, Jen Toops, who has been four-time NUE champion. So for four years, she's won the overall for the Ultra Endurance Series. And then there was another woman named Mackenzie Myatt. Because her last name, and she's she came top thirty in a World Cup last year for Team Canada. Wow! And then there was an incredible enduro rider named Nina Machina who is absolutely shredding male and female down on the downhills. Mm. So pretty fun. And is that her real last name, Machina? I think it's Machinowski, but she's okay. changed it on Strava and on her social media. Oh, and man. yeah, and I, I got to meet her, and we've talked on Instagram a bit. So it was really fun to get to put a face to the name. Okay, Nina yeah. Machina. Nina Machina. All right. Future. She's only she turned twenty one years old at the race, so she's oh, super wow. young. Nina Machina, if you are listening to this, um, reach <laughs> out because we want you on the podcast. Yeah. Is she a college student? Yeah, or, she goes to Brevard College. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, yeah, it occurred to me that I'm turning forty in August, and she is basically just turned twenty one. So I am almost twice her you age. Could be her <laughs> mother. <laughs> yeah, it's getting to the point. Where uh, the start lines are getting, <laughs> I'm getting to be the senior on the start line in the open category. Yeah. It's, it's fu- funny. I, I mean, I, um, you know, you and I both started these endurance sports like pretty young, kind of right out of college. And we're both the, the same age, about 40. And at, I mean, at the start for me, like I was doing these adventure races and everyone was 30 or 40 something. And here I was, you know, 20, 21, 22. <laughs> and yeah, now like all of a sudden you're the old guy. Yeah. I kind of like it, though. Although I, d- I did see Jeff Kabush at Sea Otter, and he was mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, how he's going to go on the start line while he's kids. And I said, how old are you now, Jeff? And said, he's either 46 or turning 46. Mm. Okay. I'm like, well, he's still out there crushing it, so yeah. why, right. why shouldn't we? Yeah, good. Well, there, there you go, Jeff. Shout out to him, too. That's another thing with cycling. They do that. Like, it's not your real age. It's like the... Your racing age. Yeah, your racing age. That's right. One of my, my good friend, Greg Krauss, he, somehow he was 36 for like three years in a row because <laughs> he like messed it up and then he was right on and then he messed it up again. And yeah, so. So the, uh, Sonia, I think the story of, of your race, let's go further into like the preparation wasn't perfect. You know, you, mm-hmm. you had two weeks off, you had this illness. You know, if you look back the your your last few years, you, you've had two kids over the last what three and a half years, and COVID, and you know, all all this other stuff, but you still toe the line. Tell us about that. What was what was that mindset? I got back to racing last year, so I got to kind of break the seal after having kids. Mm-hmm. And breaking the seal was a hundred mile mountain bike race where I swore I'd never do another one ever again, which I'm signed up for the same one this summer. Yep. <laughs> but basically. I've had to learn that you just have to do what you can and be okay with that. And Mm. it's hard whenever you're used to achieving and used to doing, having total freedom over your time, which was such a luxury to have that. Mm -hmm. But it's also been such a great lesson in that small actions compound. I've been saying that a lot and learning how to manage your expectations in a way where it's not just about trying to be a perfectionist. Mm. And I definitely have perfectionist tendencies that I thought I kind of nipped in the bud. Mm. Is it butt or bud? I think it's bud, but sometimes I say bud, yeah. <laughs> and I was actually listening to a, an audiobook about raising children, and they started talking about perfectionist tendencies mm. in children, and I started noticing mm. them in myself once again. So mm. being aware of those whenever mm-hmm. you're going after a challenge and being able to let go a little bit. And yeah. it, to quote uh, a recent podcast guest and friend, Dr. Diana Hill, who's an act psychologist, she said, if you're gripping onto something so tightly, your hand starts to hurt, you're not going to be doing yourself any good by gripping so hard. So if you just loosen your grip a little bit, what does that feel like? So that really stuck with me when she said that and 
loosening your grip and loosening your expectations because I think that we think things have to be a certain way or it means that we're not good enough or we're not worthy. And it's very easy in our culture to get tied up in that. And Mm -hmm. an example is I won the race, which is super cool. And I really appreciated all of the, the well wishes and things around it. I appreciated the extra boost I got on social media, you know, Mm -hmm. but I got second at Breck Epic last year with a four month old baby and I got some, you know, well wishes, but it wasn't like winning a race. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think about a lot is that we still highly celebrate the winners and, Mm the person that comes second or the person who's just brave enough to finish. We don't celebrate them in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Or the person who toes the line and and doesn't finish. Absolutely. uh, I mean, often that's just as hard, just as big of an accomplishment. It's probably even harder because you work just as hard as everybody else. And a lot of times if you have a DNF, it's because something out of your control happened Mm -hmm. and it's even more devastating. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, you look at like the majority of participants in the Breck Epic or Leadville 100 or Pisgo or whatever, they're not trying to win. And, uh, you know, often for most people, getting to the finish line is a, a huge, huge, a lot of people toe that line and they don't know if they're going to make it or not. You know, they yeah. might, they might not. Yeah. And it's where you derive success from and what you're proud of and showing mm-hmm. up and doing your best and even just showing up, period, yeah. as a success. And so, who was it? Someone recently said, just showing up to a start line when you have kids is a success in and of itself. But kids could be a metaphor for anything else difficult Mm. that somebody has like not that kids are difficult but added challenges that might take you out of your preparation yeah yeah interesting the book about uh perfectionism and kids what's the title it's awesome so it's it's all about uh kids being good inside and it's called good inside by Mm. dr becky kennedy and i i usually listen to an audiobook first and then i also buy a hard copy if i like it to reference Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of nuggets in there for adults, but a lot of it's actually about emotional regulation mm. as a parent. And she actually, in the audiobook, you hear her audibly taking a breath and mm-hmm. it, you feel the calming mm. feelings of that and about how kids are separate from their behavior and yeah. we are separate from our behavior. And yes. I think it was interesting that she was, you know, saying that in there because that's a per- perfectionist tendency is you yeah. over identify yourself with your behavior. And in my keynote, Tomorrow, that's something that I talk about in there mm-hmm. for adults. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I love that it resonates so much. And I, you know, you can imagine the the child acting out, especially in public, and the parent thinking, you know, oh my God, how do, what does this say about me as as a parent? And then the parent's perfectionism is kicking in. But then the when the, when the parent becomes you know riled up and dis, dysregulated, that mm-hmm. continues to amp up the kid. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and if you know, I'm I'm not saying my kids are ten and twelve, and I've made a lot of progress in all this stuff, but no one's perfect. You you keep learning, and the awareness I think is the first step, and and being aware of your own regulation or dysregulation, and and then you get you know, the whole family's involved. You got two kids, two parents, maybe more kids. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not having any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. me, me neither. For for the audience, Sonia's kids are are one and three, and uh, yeah, I you know uh, everything that you're saying, Sonia. For for me, the parenting journey w- w- was definitely like, I feel like my f- if I had two big initiations into like the importance of of letting go of control and just accepting things as they come, parenting 
Well, maybe I'll say three. The first one was was endurance racing, you know, adventure racing, biking, ultra running. The the one reason I love these sports is like you prepare and you try to control things, but you have no idea what the heck's going to happen, and you're going to have to figure stuff out. And and I think that helped me prepare for parenting, and parenting helped me prepare for for this Alzheimer's journey with my dad, which was kind of, you know, just another step. Like um, a lot of things in life are are uncertain, and uh, you know, if you try to like you said, hold things tightly or back to your podcast guest. I listened to that one. You know, she said, I have high standards, but hold them lightly. I, I liked that model. You know, you, you can't control everything. So was there a time for you where you were trying to prepare for something and the preparation didn't go the way that you hoped? Because I think that this happens mm-hmm. to all of us and it's yeah. good to hear stories of because we just see people's outcomes and we don't see what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean a time like uh, how, how about every single <laughs> you know how about every single time i've done anything <laughs> and and i like i even remember somehow as a you know when i was a kid and teenager like my dad was doing some of these races you know ledvo 100 and stuff and i remember him saying things like you know but if if you only show up when things are perfect you're you're not going to be showing up to anything at all like if you want to do something you just sometimes you got to do it and that doesn't mean that you're foolish about things or Sometimes we can't do what we want. Sometimes there, there's family things or work things or health or whatever. But sometimes you push through even when it's not perfect. Um, I One race I did, I was doing a big ultra run in Europe uh, when my kids were like one and three. And, and we stayed in this tiny little apartment in Tines, uh, I think is how it's pronounced, at the top of this mountain in, in France. Uh, Tour de France stage finished there like two years ago, I think. Anyway, and <laughs> the night before like finally got the kids to sleep and then Wyatt fell out of like the the bunk like onto the floor and just you know lost it thankfully he wasn't injured but like totally you know total chaos and and you know it's whatever 1 a.m and we're up we're awake for the next two hours and then finally fell back asleep and then I had to get up at like 3 a.m to drive to the race anyway and you know on the way there I'm like I have literally like maybe slept five minutes here before you know this is like the a race of the season but, you know, I, I kept driving, like, here I am, you know, <laughs> sponsors have paid for me to get there, I've put in the work, like, uh, you know, just got to do it. And once once the gun goes off, like, I didn't even think about the fact that I didn't sleep, and it ended up being a great race. Yeah, but, it, it, you know, in general, uh, I think, uh, especially when, you know, a lot of the listeners of this podcast, like, you, you have a job, you have a family, and you're probably also trying to do these things that you like, it's probably not going to be perfect. You know, if you want to win the Tour de France, your preparation probably should be perfect. That's how you win that. But, you know, other, other stuff, and like you, you know, you did a pro-level race and preparation wasn't perfect, but you did it, you know. And you you have, you know, you have wisdom, you have experience, you have uh, mom power on your side. Like, those, those are real things, <laughs> you know. Like, younger athletes who, you know, maybe they are, sharper or you know whatever like oftentimes it takes time to learn to like roll with the punches and pace yourself over the course of of five days you know um that's something that's probably innate to to you now that that you just do that's true i I was third on day one but this reminds me of something that like Catherine pendrell said Mm -hmm. because she's been on my podcast a couple times and i asked her because she was racing world cups and she retired i think it was last year Mm. but she was racing against 20 year olds 25 year olds and she said, I may not have as much snap as him or as much high power as him, mm-hmm. yep. but I have so much experience yeah. that that counts for almost more than the pop. And mm-hmm. as you're talking, I was just thinking about 
I did a, a post about confidence and I thought mm. of it as I was preparing for the race because I did a couple of pre-rides, which meant that I was riding when it was like 37 degrees and pouring rain. And I got so, yep. it was like, horrific. so it was one of those moments where you're like, this is why I don't need to do cold plunges. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I was thinking to myself, I, I, I didn't even feel great on those pre-rides, but I knew because of experience that that doesn't actually matter. Whereas when I was a younger racer, I would freak out if I had a bad pre-ride mm. or if my heart rate was a little bit low and confidence isn't showing up thinking I'm going to be the best or I'm going to, you know, this is the best ever. It's showing up knowing that I am going to be able to handle anything mm. that comes my way. Mm. And it has nothing to do with how well you're going to do. It, it has to do with how you are going to carry yourself forward. Yeah. And that was a, a kind of a cool epiphany. So maybe I just had to be frozen to have it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I like to tell athletes I coach that it's, you know, you, you do prepare well. You make a lot of plans. You dial in your nutrition and your gear and your pacing and data. You know, you do all that stuff. Um, but it also, it's less of like... I'm going to execute and things are going to go perfect and more of like, I'm going to execute and follow the plan. And when the plan changes, I can figure it out, whatever that may, may mean. Yeah. I think having flexibility around your plan is important mm -hmm. too. Like yep. so something I was nervous about this year was that, you know, you've been doing my running coaching and mm -hmm. helping me combine it with cycling and make mm -hmm. good decisions. So I've never not ridden my bike six days a week in preparation for a race. In fact, I was running, during my second pregnancy and a little bit before that, but I stopped running at the end so that of my pregnancy and moving into racing again. Mm -hmm. And I only rode my bike last year to get ready for races. So yeah. this was a, the very first time that I did a bike race where I was running three days a week, a week and riding three to four days a week mm. where I didn't do normal bike preparation. And that, that was again, loosening that grasp yep. and having the courage to try something new yeah. and to show up publicly and see if it actually is going to work. Yeah. And it's cool whenever you are able to have the courage and the curiosity to do mm -hmm. those things. And it, it's, it's nice when it works out, but yep. I think it's an important reminder that we always get stuck in a way of doing something and it's scary and it's, it's hard to do something differently to change your process. Yeah. And also the importance of good coaching to inform that process is really important. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate yeah. how you've helped me with that. Oh yeah, sure. It's been fun. Yeah. And, and like the, you're touching on teamwork, which I think for, you know, people I think like you and I and probably a lot of listeners who are kind of maybe naturally wired towards this thing we're calling perfectionism, sometimes it can be hard to let that go, to let someone else play a role and, and to let go of, I know for me naturally, it's my mindset has naturally again been all or nothing, you know, and I'm, I'm going to do this all my own. And I remember like in high school, I would really struggle with uh, group projects for example, because, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not, are you kidding? I'm not going to let someone else like, you know. Do and then you do work. it all. Exactly. Yeah. And then everyone else is like, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be my partner and I didn't want to be anyone's <laughs> partner. But it turns out that like life is a group project and we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And, and even, you know, I had, a, a, I mean, this is kind of a, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a real life example. It's not uh, fun or flashy, but like on the way to the airport, uh, I was talking with my wife and she was like, hey, do you want some help like organizing your office? Because I, I, I have a lot of strengths and I try to play to those strengths and I'm good at things like showing up and bringing energy for a talk or for, you know, the thing that we're doing this keynote. Uh, like that's for me that's easy for me really hard is like slowing down for 10 minutes to like clean up my office and like get 
you know, uh, everything, just the clothes and everything else out of there. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about the pile of laundry on my, that is clean and folded because our nanny folded it. Yeah, that is on the dresser that I haven't put away and I just, I just haven't done it. Yeah, well, thank goodness, at least it's folded. I, I mean, I don't even want to, maybe I'll post a picture of my office here after, <laughs> after, after Amy <laughs> helps me out. But like, in some ways, I, I even had to think like, I need to like loosen my grasp here because in some ways, I don't organize things because I'm like, I know exactly where I want it. Or if someone else puts it somewhere, I won't be able to find it. You know, and it, it's probably an innate sort of perfectionism kind of thing that ironically manifests in like a lot of chaos. <laughs> yeah, I think some takeaways so far for people are, you know, thinking about, well, number one, what what's your laundry look like right now? But, <laughs> you know, number one, like, yeah. where, where are you grasping things so tightly that you're creating challenges for yourself? And how would you benefit from letting go a little bit? And would you be willing to have an experiment in your life where you do let go a little bit and see what happens? And that doesn't mean that as permanent forever, but just letting go a little bit can maybe be informative. And then number, like two, and then number two, there's just like, we were talking about process and how a lot of times it's messy. And a lot of times it's just showing up and doing your best and, and just having faith or maybe just hoping that it's all going to come together. And if it doesn't, maybe setting different goals for next time. Yeah. I like it. That that sounds like that sounds like wisdom. That sounds like the kind of wisdom they would help you win like a five day bike race. <laughs> well, Arthur Brooks wrote this book called From Strength to Strength, which I really loved. Mm. And he talks about this thing called crystallized intelligence, which is something that you get whenever you're older. And he talks about having yes. two different curves. So crystallized intelligence, he actually notes it's usually like forty plus. Yes. And you're able to take lots of different experiences and make meaning from them and change how you relate to things and then be able to distill it and teach others. Yes. Whereas when you're younger, you're sharper in different ways. Yeah, I like it. I think that's what uh, Carl Jung would call like the second half of life. Yeah. And and there was, he talked, I listened to that book and he talked about that other kind of intelligence that like you start to lose. Fluid intelligence, <laughs> I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know that I'm, I'm uh, losing it. I think you have a, do you have a podcast about that? Did you do a podcast with Brooks? Uh, no, I tried, but oh. let's see. Okay, I heard Brooks on some podcast and then bought the book. They said no. Oh, well, good try. That's right. I'm going to keep trying because I really like his column in The Atlantic. That's right. Yes, Mr. Brooks, if you're listening to this. uh. That's right. Come on, Arthur. (laughs) We're talking about grasping things Mm -hmm. tightly Mm -hmm. and letting go a little bit and being curious to see what happens. Yes, that's right. And I would agree with that. I also like the idea. one One of the things I tell myself sometimes, and again, maybe this is related to kind of the you know, my dad uh, having Alzheimer's and, and just, I, th- I think when we come face to face with mortality and, and some the mortality of someone close to us or our own mortality, one of my takeaways is like a lot of the stuff that we worry about as with common culture and the things we get caught up in, a lot of those things, when I step back, it's like, that shit that like, it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. <laughs> whether how clean is your car or is the laundry folded or are things, you know, perfect or looking back, you know, again, uh, for, for me as a, as a young student, like, do I have straight A's? Do I have the highest score on the OCHEM final or something? You know, like things that pretty I'm specific like, there. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are things I used to worry about and hopefully I don't as much anymore. But I think that a lot of the things we got, get caught up in aren't really that important. I agree with that. And I also think, though, when you are younger or mm-hmm. in something, that that is very real for that person. 
That's something yeah. I'm trying to think about with yeah. parenting. Like when my kids eventually make a really big deal about something that I think is not that big of a deal, mm. but in their world, it is an incredibly big deal. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, how do you balance or manage knowing that that big picture, what the big picture view kind of looks like of life, yeah. you know, from our 40 year old vantage point mm -hmm. versus somebody maybe younger, maybe somebody that hasn't had similar experiences that does get all encompassed and stuck in something that on the outside doesn't seem to matter as much. Yeah. I think you're right, Sonia. I, I may retract my previous uh, statement no, on the grounds that there was judgment. No, I think I think they're both right. <laughs> yeah. I think they're both perspectives that are important yeah. to have. It's no, like, and you're right about the the kid stuff. Like my kids are now, you know, sort of this tween phase, and like the social stuff is becoming very big, and you know, little things happen be between friends or whatever. They're like really upset kids, and and those those things are real, you know, and we need to help our kids with it. Yeah, I just think it's a good reminder of like the the whole idea that things can be both and instead of either or mm. that's something I've been thinking about a lot and trying to notice a lot. And, mm. um, once you start looking for that, you start seeing it in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of gray in life and you know, it's, it's not all or nothing. Um, more often it's all or something. And you can be happy and sad <laughs> at the same time. Like yeah. mm -hmm. right now I'm a little bit sad cause I miss my kids and yep. you know, my daughter might, hopefully she doesn't walk while I'm here, but <laughs> you know, yep. and I'm also super excited and happy to be yeah. here. And I feel really good in my career yeah. that I'm able to start traveling again and pursuing things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so speaking here of, of your keynote, what are, can you tell the audience uh, maybe a couple things you're going to talk about or a couple of your main points? It's really hard to put together a one hour keynote because there's lots of things that I want to talk about and I probably have already too many things in mind, but I will yep. get through it all. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that I'm most excited about is just talking about mastery and fulfillment in life. And that is something that is really on my mind all the time because achievement that we've been talking about and pursuing achievement and how culture celebrates achievement is a really big thing. Yep. But we often don't feel good as good as we think we're going to feel whenever we achieve something. And that feeling is very fleeting. So mm. where do those feelings of well-being come from? What is the foundation of that as we are striving for something? So that's kind of the last part of the talk. And then a lot of the similar things that I like talking about emotional regulation and how that pertains to resilience and then self-talk and then having a growth mindset in life. Nice. How about you? What are you going to talk about? Yeah, I, I like it. I'm I'm excited to listen. <laughs> uh, for, I'll tell you in a minute. But first, I need to um, delve deeper into that. We, uh, on the topic of like um, high expectations, but holding them lightly, sometimes I struggle with that because I I kind of uh, again back to like the all or nothing idea. It's like mm -hmm. either I have you know a bunch of big goals and I'm just going to go 300 percent on it, mm -hmm. or or like no goal at all. Mm -hmm. And and I struggle with how where where's that sweet spot and what is what does that look like or mm -hmm. or how do um yeah how, how do you do that whether whether it's as an athlete as a business person as a parent how do you how do you walk that line where like you're not you're not you know just doing nothing but you're still being proactive and having goals I think that's where this point of like intentional imbalance comes in which is something that I, I'm talking mm. about as well okay I view it as like periodizing what mm. you're prioritizing yeah. because you can't go 300% all the time. And I've tried multiple times yep. and it always ends badly. <laughs> That's right. I've been there too. Probably many listeners have. <laughs> yeah. Like an example of going 300% is right now I'm going 300%. I've been traveling every single week. Like yes. all these things are great, yep. but I'm starting to feel tired. Mm. And I have rest built in where I'm going to focus on something else, a different goal, but yep. where I'm not 
exerting my energy in the same way. Mm. So I think periodizing what those goals are. So like right now it's like travel and speaking and racing and yep. then next month I'm really focused on writing a book or, yeah. you know, getting to 20,000 words. That way I can feel pulled to, to finish the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next month is going to be about family. So, you know, being able to focus on one thing at a time, but also mm. have like goals running in the background. Yeah. And then also asking yourself from that, that expectations piece, like what am I trying to get from having this 300% mm. and what do I feel like I'm missing whenever I don't have that mm. and trying to figure out what that is. Cause there's something there that's missing and maybe you can get that without having to go all or none. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea of micro periodization and, and that's a concept in the training literature. And, and I think even in like professional cycling, you see that more and more people go to a race and then they do like a brief training camp, you know, at altitude mm -hmm. and then come back and it, and it turns out it works. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I've been thinking of the, the last month for me has been a lot of travel, all these, um, we did our book launch. It's been mm -hmm. fun. I've got to do a lot of stuff with my dad. We've been flying all over and it's like you said, it's not sustainable. And I'm, I'm glad that, uh, this is the last time I have to get on a plane for a, a Hopefully little we're while. getting on a plane we'll see what happens today yeah that's right it's uh <laughs> here we are we got this uh maybe well it's raining right now maybe snow coming we'll see we got to get to north carolina one way or another so let's uh, talk about oh, your yeah, what am i you asked me what i'm going to speak about um yeah. well the requested topic was the ultra mindset um so most most of my recent talking with our book things and interviews etc has been kind of more on the Alzheimer's journey, eco challenge topic. Um, so now I'm kind of switching, going back to the ultra mindset kind of stuff. And it's, it's actually been kind of fun to sort of study up on it. And rem you know, this book I wrote in 2015, like, oh, what were those eight principles or ideas? So planning on going through those, telling some of the stories from the book, uh, some stories not from the book and, and hopefully connecting with the audience. I'm, I'm really excited to you and I were talking about, you know, virtual keynotes. That's kind of been more of a thing the last few years. It's nice to actually go and interact with an audience and kind of, you know, play off them and hopefully yeah. get to get to find out what it, what is it that's going to help them. Hopefully not see anybody yawning. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't don't take it personal. I, I, yawn, I yawn all the time, even when I'm interested in something. <laughs> I did a couple of free talks when I was in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking about like the audience and do they seem interested and do they like mm -hmm. this and do they like me and... Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot is the, am I evaluating what I'm doing while I'm doing it? Mm. Or am I focusing on what I am doing while I'm doing mm. it? Yeah. So given I think your, the end, you try to shoot for the latter, right? So given your talk, <laughs> uh, what are you most excited about like right now of after you went and back, went back and reviewed those eight principles, which one mm. really resonated with you the most? That's a good question. I mean, I think one, one of the ones in the, in the book was the idea of like the stories we tell ourselves, good stories, bad stories. How, how do we watch those? How do we choose the ones that we're gonna kind of roll with or not and, and honestly that's the one that I struggle with the most it's always been the hardest one for me um so so I like that one I like mm -hmm. talking about that one I like um you know telling stories and giving examples about it and I, I think that's one that can resonate with almost anyone I, I know there's something about that in your slides as well so yeah well you're well, gonna do all the heavy lifting on that topic for me and then I get to just brush over it <laughs> yeah uh maybe we'll see what else are you doing for the rest of this summer, Sonia? So you, well, you got I a actually, family month, you well, got some races planned. You're I actually want to ask you about how all of your travel went and okay. where you went, because yeah. I'm sure people are wondering. Well, our book hit shelves March 14th. We've had a number of kind of traditional book signing events uh, in the Colorado area. And those were a lot. I've, I've had mostly just gratitude about those because, you know, like four or five, six months ago, I didn't know if my dad would be able to go to those mm. 
with me and the fact that he has and they've been really fun for him and he enjoys hanging out and just BSing with people is like huge. So um, I've, I felt just like super grateful for those. And, you know, and it, it's it's challenging there. You know, he he does need a lot of support. And most of that comes down to my mom as well. But we've we've had like a good a good team for it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so mostly in Colorado, and then uh, my wife Amy and I went to Nashville for a couple of days uh, with the Mind What Matters nonprofit. Great group that uh, gives money to Alzheimer's caregivers. So, got to kind of participate in their gala event sort of thing, and that was good. And and then the week after that, we did something similar in New York City with the Alzheimer's Drug Discovery Foundation that. I found out is the largest contributor towards Alzheimer's drug research. So they they uh, they're doing a lot of a lot of good work. And and my dad and mom got to come to that one, and and that was really cool. We my dad and I kind of gave some remarks, and he did a great job. And it was I was thankful that my kids could see my dad doing something special and put that into their memories. And and I also to watch my kids supporting my dad through the airport and through, you know, the city and just everywhere. Like it's, that's what life's about, you know, like helping the people you care about. It was, it was life's really, a team sport. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it was from your book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So it was, it was good. And you know, will, will we, will my dad and I have another trip like that again, you know, on a plane or not, you know, I don't know. We'll yeah. see sounds super meaningful the family part especially yeah it was it was it was really it was it was super special so i know that you might be thinking like well 300 percent or zero i want to go 300 percent in something else <laughs> i got this book launch done yep you're now the author of two books which congratulations hopefully you've let that sink in and celebrated the fact that you've written not one but two books um, I have. You've you've helped helped me do that. So you're, you're um, you know, the listeners probably know you do kind of mindset uh, coaching sort of stuff, and you you've really helped me with that. So thank no, you. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's on your mind for? I don't know. You, you know, I did um, after my first book launch. You know, again, it was, you know, it's a it's a high and excitement and and all that, and and there was a dip afterwards, and many people know that from professional experiences, from athletic experiences, it often happens. Mm -hmm. You train up for the big race, you know, you you do great or you do poorly or whatever, and <laughs> often there's this lull, and I definitely experienced that after mm -hmm. the first book, and in that time around, I kind of came to a scramble of like, oh, I got to write another book now, you know, let's do it again, and kind of realized like I wasn't ready to write another. I didn't, I didn't have like the material, the topic. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to. The time wasn't right. So I, I think I'm, I'm glad that I see that coming now that, you know, what you might call the post-race blues or mm -hmm. uh, something. So just, you know, anticipating then, you know, how, mm -hmm. how and when that manifests, I don't know, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, th I think I'll hopefully be a little more ready. And, you know, I also just, I have a lot of family stuff going on, lots of kids soccer on on weekends and um i was just talking to a burrow racing friend uh <laughs> today so this not many people can say i was talking to a burrow yeah, racing no, friend i was talking to my burrow you racing got your boots on your yeah <laughs> no my, i got my boots i got a uh, i got stopped in security because i i had to i got this big belt buckle <laughs> like <laughs> i kind of like to wear my belt buckle when i do talks and stuff it's like an ultra running thing you do these races so and is it in your pack yeah it's in my my backpack like i should have brought my uh, a belt buckle dang okay. Well, you, we could FedEx probably overnight. find one here in DIA. <laughs> um, 
again, back to the ultra running metaphor, like I think many people in, in a lot of sports, it's like, it's always what's, what's next, what's next, what's next. And, and that can be good. It's good to, you know, finish your thing and then get back to the process, whatever your process is, riding, riding the bike, running, you know, parenting, working. I think that's good. But, but I also, I've, I've learned to be more accepting of, I don't always have to have the next thing mm -hmm staring me in the face you know i spent most of my adult life and you can probably relate to this i always knew the next race like mm -hmm. you know and it was usually coming within probably a month mm -hmm. at the most so i always knew like i'm getting home you know maybe there's a little recovery time but like this is what's next and over the last few years i've come to accept like maybe i don't always have to do that so i don't have to have the next book i don't have to have the next race you know any back to my burrow racing buddy again these things exist sonia you know it, am i going to do some burrow races this year maybe so maybe not I, I don't know well we'll see maybe some bike races um, i told you i'm doing my first enduro race uh yeah. on sunday in salida people may have heard about that on a previous podcast and you know that'll, that'll be fun it'll uh, you know it's it it really is for fun but i i've been training in in that i'm riding you know a couple of the trails are like pushing my limit as as far as what can i ride smoothly and and it's been good to like kind of have push me over the edge there's a trail called hooligan and slida you know it's like a it's a double black trail i mean it's rocky and like technical and mm -hmm. and like i i've lived there for three years and i didn't ride it much because i was scared of it mm -hmm. and now i'm like <laughs> shit this thing's in the race like all right i gotta like first i would like ride it with my buddies and try to figure out the lines and like you know, now I've been riding it some alone and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to like beat the real enduro riders down it, but I, I can ride it confidently now. So. Yeah. Thanks for saying that you don't have to have something big when someone asks you what's next. Like yeah. I, I was almost yep. hesitant to ask that because people always ask that question, but I think that what you said of not having a huge thing and taking the time that you need to not have a huge thing, but also that little things can be huge things. Like you said, soccer mm, and your family yep. and those are really important, meaningful things. And on paper, they might not be quote impressive or an accolade, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not important or not meaningful to you. Yeah. Yeah. And often, I mean, you know, taking care of your, your kids and just digging in deep on a daily basis, like that's as hard and heroic as, you know, <laughs> doing a big race or something. And, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I mean, uh, some of it comes down to like your, your identity. Is it, does it have to be totally connected with your achievement or what you do. And, and I think for people in the endurance sports world, you're at the party or the family gathering or whatever, you know, like that's the question, like, Oh, you know, what's your next race? Like, what are you doing? And, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, we can get addicted to like being able to say, Oh, you know, well, I'm going yeah. to China to like, you know, do this thing or whatever. Like, you know, it's yeah. fun to be able to talk about that stuff, but yeah. like you're a person beyond that. And, and, you know, maybe you're not an athlete, but you're a person beyond your, your career or the things that you, that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were saying that, um, like lately I've just been feeling super stoked. And I think it is because I ha I now have an answer to what's next because mm. for many years I didn't have an answer to yeah. that. Yeah. Because of, well, and a lot of people didn't during 2020, but, you know, two pregnancies yeah. and then just like border close. Like I, I, ha I didn't have, well, what's next was having a family. Yeah. But that's a really different thing than saying this race or this cool trip or mm -hmm. whatever. So I feel like a bit invigorated in my life again to yeah. have a little bit more dimension to go after some things that I've been wanting to go after for a while, but also trying to pay attention to not overdoing it. Cause I know that that's mm. what I tend to do is like, Oh, I, now I just want to do everything. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. And uh, yeah, I mean, here we are back to the, the gray area in between. Like yeah. it, it is good to have things coming up, to have things to 
look forward to, mm-hmm. you know, everyone needs that. And, but it doesn't always have to be everything. And, and I'm also learning it doesn't always have to be right now, mm-hmm. um, which is hard for me because I've always had a, you know, an, an urgency. And, mm-hmm. and also, again, when I think about mortality, it's like, oh, shit, if I want to do something like, you know, now's the time I'm young enough, like I'm strong enough, uh, whatever. But oftentimes you can't do it right now. Maybe it can come later. You know, there's this this uh, this ski line, this uh, Mount Etna, like a, you know, a backcountry ski line that has been like my goal you know it's not a race or anything but like i I look at this thing like every day and i want to ski it um and i had like a window last sunday but it it just it didn't fit with the family schedule we were heading out of town and my wife amy had meetings and you know she was like hey i really like need your support here and so i didn't do it that day and i still got to do something i went out and i you know had a great bike ride early in the morning and got back in time and you know am i bummed that i didn't ski that line that day maybe a little bit but two weeks later does it really matter probably not you know maybe i can maybe there'll be enough snow next week and maybe not and something's better than nothing yeah well it is i went for a 15 minute run yesterday that's all i did (laughs) something's better than nothing i told myself (laughs) nope there you go and especially with with running um frequency is is really important those little little bits of uh you know impact on your legs it actually makes a difference Mm -hmm. So, uh, do you think should we wrap this thing up? Yeah, sure. I, uh, we're not in the tornado shelter yet. <laughs> it's raining now, so it's probably a good sign. Maybe. <laughs> uh, actually, I have one more question for you. Like, you are incredibly supportive, and you bring everybody else up around you. David Roach said the same thing about you when you interviewed him on the, hmm. on his podcast. How do you do it? Like, I think many people want to be supportive of people, and like myself, I'm always trying to think of ways that I can support other people, but it seems to come so naturally to you. Well, thanks. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate the compliment. I don't know. I I think maybe it's just part of my, like helping other people has always been a core motivation for me. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's something I believe in. And and I like, um, I like the idea of, of like a mindset that's not based on scarcity or like a set amount of, Mm -hmm you know, let's say career opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, you got uh, whatever, a number of people in the Colorado area who are endurance coaches and one mindset could be like, oh, well, there's only so many like athletes who need a coach. And so like, I'm going to, I'm going to get them and like, I'm not going <laughs> to share them or like, yeah. it's just, that's not what I think. Like, I, I just, I, I like to have just a mindset of like, there's, there's enough to go around, whether it's, you know, time or, energy or you know love or athletes or whatever you know uh and and is that always true in my head like sometimes in my head those negative stories like oh you know there is a limited resources there's not enough of this that or the other but i definitely try to live of like you know it's it's not a it's not a scarcity like there's a lot of things you know and and i think about like i mean gosh we got what eight or nine billion people in the world you know there's like enough there's enough business. There's enough, yeah, you totally. know, there's enough like coaching. There's enough, you know, whatever. So we might as well just support each other, mm-hmm. you know? And like, we, we all do, we all do better. It, 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 like, I don't think, I mean, is there a truth to the idea of karma? Like if you help other people, does it come back to you? Pro- probably so. But mm-hmm. like, it, you know, it's less about that and more about like, what type know. of person do you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. And what, um, and what makes you feel like, people want to help. Like we are a social species and we're supposed Mm -hmm. to help each other with things. Humans don't Mm -hmm. survive 
alone. So I think if if we're if we have that mindset of like we're in it together, we're we're helping each other. It's it's a lot more natural. Mm -hmm. um, and and like, uh, you know, where the rubber hits the road, if if you're always in this sense of like scarcity and competition and like you know us versus them or like you mm -hmm. know take down the competitors or or whatever like it's not a good it's not like a happy place mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like those are the people who are like you know writing terrible negative reviews on amazon or like you know <laughs> taking down like you know yeah. people on social like that's yeah. it's not a good mm -hmm. like that i just i can't imagine that feeling good so yeah i think for people working on that like noticing how it feels in your body when mm. you're doing those things yeah. and the constricting versus an expanding feeling. Yeah. That's something I've worked on a lot. Like Matt, my husband said to me around sponsorship specifically, because people would come to me asking me for help, mm. other women. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I initially would feel like, oh my gosh, like they're going to take what's mine. And yeah. it's like, I don't like admitting that out loud, but I, I've mentioned it multiple times yeah, because felt that way. I think it's important to, yeah. to be honest with that. Yep. It's what you do after that, that matters. Mm. And it's noticing that feeling of, what if they take what's mine? Or, you know, what if I lose an opportunity because of this? And then uh, pausing, how do I feel whenever, yeah. I, like, I feel, like, even just talking about it, I feel a constricted feeling and I don't like that feeling. Yeah. And then saying, well, how does it feel when I actually help somebody? And mm. how does it feel when I take my ego out of it? And how does it feel to say, you know, what if somebody helped me Yeah. in the same way? And to strive to be that way. And yeah. you can be helping somebody and have it be not, not feeling good in the moment, but knowing that you're doing the right thing because that's, that's the type of person you want to be. Yeah. 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 I, th I think you're, I think you're right, Sonia. And, and, and there can, like, it doesn't mean competition's bad. And, and that's mm -hmm. why I, I like the idea of like competition happens in the competitive places. So like, you know, for you and I, that would, that might be a race, you know, it mm -hmm. feels good to toe the line and race and like mm -hmm. have strategy and, you know, try to, beat people and use your strengths and what are mm -hmm. their, but like it, it also, you know, for me, it doesn't mean you can't be friends afterwards. Yeah. Something that I said that I actually have been thinking about a lot and I, I read, I did an entire like post on competition because mm. for me, it used to be a zero sum game and now it's not anymore. Mm. It's about competition, having the best people around you competing. Like you, you might not be getting number one because you're having the best people around you but you get the best out of yourself. And that's way more important than being number one. I've been at races where I've been number one, but I knew that I didn't get the best out of myself. Yep. And I wasn't proud of that result. Yeah. And I've been at races where I was third, fifth, 10th. Mm -hmm. And I felt way more proud of that result because I knew I got the best out of myself. So that's why it's important to have good people around you. Yeah. And that's why I think competing is important if you can have this mindset around it so that it's an opportunity to reach for more than maybe you thought you had. Yeah. And people around you can support you to do that, even if you're competing against them. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> there we go. Our first in-person okay. podcast. Yeah, well, we did it. Hopefully more more to come. I can see how the people that do these in-person ones, why it's like three and a half hours, because yeah. there's a different like presence whenever you're in person yep. than it is on a screen. And I, like, I can see why people want to, like Rich Roll only does his in person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty big table that everybody sits at. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Well, let's let's do some more and yeah. and uh, to the to the podcast world out there. Fl go to go to Vancouver and you know podcast oh, yeah, with Sonia or, <laughs> or Salida. <laughs> yeah, find her find her at events and stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, Travis. I this will go, this will go on both of our uh, podcasts. So it'll be All fun. Right. Sounds good. Maybe we'll fly out of here and we'll take it as it comes. That's right. <laughs> 
I hope you enjoyed that format and that episode of the podcast. Travis and I had a good time doing it. And it was also almost a little bit weird to be recording a podcast in person with somebody and also really fun to be able to do that. As I mentioned, a lot of us are doing our creative work by ourselves in our house and getting to do something with somebody in person was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. The best way to help this podcast grow is to tell people about it and also to hit that subscribe button or to share it on social media. We always appreciate that. And I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. And I'll see you right back here next week. 